Well, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boulders Extra podcast, post-game edition, uh, after Purdue beats uh, Indiana 28-21 at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Uh, we've stopped at a, uh, a barbecue place in Mooresville. What's the name of it? World Famous Squealers. Okay. I've been I've, here a few times. I like it. On my way to cover events at IU. Figured it was a nice stop, nice break from the... Uh, the, the Steak and Shake, and also the music at Applebee's. Yeah, I've been to the one up in, by uh, Trader's Point um, once on 86th Street. So okay. I'm looking forward to this. I, I have to remember this for my future trips back down here to Assembly Hall and whatnot. Right. Um, so our final regular season bowlers extra podcast, post-game edition, After Dark, which it was good to have a noon game. I think it's the third one this year that they've had. Yeah, I remember when not having a noon game was like a bizarre, out-of-this-world experience. That's how I started covering Purdue football. Uh, But anyway, Purdue wins, but uh, obviously the the main story is what Jeff Brom is going to do. Um, Even though he sounds like a guy and he acts like a guy that is not going to Louisville, I want to preface that because... Even if the Louisville job doesn't come into the equation, there's going to be other openings yeah. that he may get associated with, and he doesn't seem uh, eager to to remove himself from any no. consideration. And if, if he believes it helps him in recruiting in other areas and he gets Purdue's name out there, then then fine. I don't I don't necessarily completely buy it 100%, but if he thinks it helps him, then that's up to him. I think he maybe does think there is some recruiting leverage that comes about with this attention. Uh, but there's also personal leverage here. Let's not pretend that there isn't. And I've said all along, you know, he owes it to himself and his family to talk to Louisville, to talk to whatever school wants to come up. Basically starting at, you know, 3.30 today and wants to come forward and discuss a job opening with him. But by about, I don't know, Midnight Monday, I think there kind of needs to be a decision one way or the other. Purdue can't do this year in and year out. I think Purdue's going to have to probably compensate him a a little bit more uh, or maybe a lot more um, and make another commitment to him. But it's not something that can keep perpetually happening year after year um, where you just keep going six and six and keep getting big raises every year. At some point, the the results have to match the commitment, and I think that's coming. I think we've seen evidence of, of how that's going to come. Rondell Moore, other things, but right. but for, for the short term, I think you know. I, I know I'm getting seeing it on social media. I'm tweeting out with what's happening at the press conference, and there's fans who are getting really excited about everything that comes out, and fans who get really nervous about the way he says other things, and um, and in some that are like, well, why is anybody just asking him point blank? Is he going to be the coach next year? And We've I, done that. I think he is being asked. <laughs> First of all, he is being asked, but secondly, again. Everybody gets so emotionally tied into these things, and they can never separate that and just step back and think, how would you approach this if it was a job opening? Not your favorite football team. It's just a job opening well, that you're up for. It's a public job opening. Right. I mean, it's right. not Most just people going, don't have their yeah, jobs. They yeah, don't exactly. have this. They don't, they're not – any questions they're getting – the normal people. and family will ask right. you, but it's not being asked at a press conference. Nobody has a press conference to find out if you're going to take that job at Quick Lube. Like, they just don't. And produce bowl eligible, by the way. That's a bowl choice. Oh, that's a... Oh. See, I'm always fishing for sponsorships. Right. Uh, but anyway, back to Brom. 
you know, obviously he, he said a lot of the same things he said last week when the whole uh, tweet storm report came out. Uh, he said a lot of the same things again uh, when we talked to him on Thursday about Thanksgiving, about the future of the program, uh, and how excited he is about it, and about in-state guys coming to Purdue and making a mark like, like Rondell Moore, even though Rondell's not technically an in-state guy, even though he's, he's from New Albany. But the point being, you can make a name for yourself here at Purdue, and he keeps harping on that. And obviously it sounds like a guy that is not going anywhere right now. Um, but, as you say, and everybody, you know, and everybody agrees with this, that he, he needs to talk to Louisville, he needs to find out what the offer is, and go from there. I, I think he knows what he's going to do, but he needs to play this process out. I think he just needs to see. And they, they may come with some sort of offer or something that he's not he's not prepared, wasn't prepared for. That, that they just, can make you an yeah. offer you can't refuse. Yes. Those, those do happen. It's yes. not a complete cliche. Yeah, the Godfather, there's a reason why that... that uh, that line was thrown into the Godfather movie. See, he wasn't. Didn't sound like he was unhappy at Western Kentucky either, no. by the way. And Purdue kind of made one of those offers. Said, "Hey, you could come be a head coach in the Big Ten in the Big Ten West with opportunities at that entails with the with this performance project with a big increase in your pay for you and everyone else around you, your entire family. I mean, they they made one of those great offers. So now they're probably gonna have to make another one maybe to fend off Louisville, but." I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with what you've written, with uh, what Greg Doyle wrote today about how the, what it feels like is, is not a guy who has one foot out the door. It just feels like a guy who's taking the prudent steps that may end up with both feet out the door eventually. I don't know. But right now, what I read is just a guy who is, you know, trying to be professionally courteous to Purdue, but also being uh, responsible with how he handles his career and his family's future. And in talking to, to to people that covered him at Western Kentucky and the press conferences leading up to him leaving Western Kentucky, the, they're getting a different vibe this time compared to, to when he was – everyone just knew he was kind of at the door at Western Kentucky, Kentucky right. because it was a natural step. It was time for him to, to move on to a different challenge, and he wanted the challenge. He's, he said that numerous times that, you know – a lot of people told him not to take the Purdue job, Purdue job because it was a dead end job and he couldn't make anything. But the more people said no, the more intrigued he got. So, you know, people said this is a different vibe as two years ago at Western Kentucky when uh, you didn't get this. He's building for the future type of thing at Western Kentucky. So I think that says a little bit of where his mind is, and he he he's very careful with his words, but he's also I think very honest with his words he's not going to blow this process up until he knows exactly what what this process is and then and then go from there and I think that's it's it's going to play out I think quickly um, I, I don't think Purdue will let it drag out to be honest I don't and I don't think Purdue should let it drag out to be honest um, no and obviously there's a there's a date of December 5th as far as how you know the the amount of the buyout and all that. But I think I think Purdue's side of it is prepared to you know, counter offer or whatever. They're 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 there more to say, okay, here's what we're willing to do for you. And I don't know if it's as much about increasing the buyout 
as a much as much as it is giving him a salary or putting him in a place that just tells people no, because you're going to make X num- millions of dollars, right. and there's just so many schools that just can't afford that. And there's there's going to be an opportunity. Because they'd have to give him a raise to right. pull him away. Right. Also, so I, I don't know if the buyout is the answer for this, and it usually causes more problems. I think it's just more we're going to get you to a, a place in this in a salary structure where you're taken care of, your assistants are taken care of, and let's not go through this every year. Or when the NFL calls. Or even in another week or <laughs> in another, weeks. Right. Annie's our waitress, by the way. Oh, it's, it's Amanda, right? It's Amanda. I'm sorry. We're doing a podcast. You're what? Okay. All right. <laughs> Enjoy your meal. All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right. I got the brisket, by the way. You got the brisket and the turkey. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gone wrong with the turkey at a barbecue place, a smoked turkey. But anyway, that's kind of where Jeff, I think, is right now, and I would expect that conversation with Louisville to happen soon, if it, whatever time it is right now, hasn't hasn't happened already, and then. You know, he, he laid out a detailed plan of what he's going to do next week, which is the same thing he told us on Thursday, is that, you know, he gives the players Sunday off. They'll have a team meeting on Monday. There'll be assistant coaches out recruiting. Uh, and then he will he will hit the road recruiting, talking to 2019 commitments, which there's 24 of them, I believe. They're waiting on one guy, i.e. David Bell, uh, to, to, to make his decision or at least announce his decision. Uh, and then their class will be complete, whether they'll have David Bell or they got to go find find somebody else. Uh, so, I mean, you, 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 some of this could start leaking out as soon as Louisville moves on or Jeff takes that job. I think that's that's kind of I, I think that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah, I just I mean, I do. I agree with what you're saying about how, you know, Again, to me, it comes back to professional courtesy. I think Brahma's best paid Purdue is professional courtesy. I think Purdue's going to return that. They understand what the Louisville job is. He deserves to be able to have a conversation with Louisville if he wants to. Maybe he really doesn't want to. Maybe he's going to nip in the butt. I don't know. But, again, even if you don't really want to go to Louisville, why not let it play out a little bit and see what, again, just think of it in terms of any other job the way you would want it to, to play out on your behalf. So, um, I don't think this is, is over, but I think it's getting close to being over. And I think that it is one of those things where I, I do agree that Purdue can't keep doing this every year. I think Purdue probably needs to find a way to put itself in a position. To some extent, you can't contain the speculation that's going to happen. But and, and the fact that the Louisville job will turn over this year reduces some of the speculation because that was always the job that was always hanging out there. Even when Louisville was, before he even came to Purdue, when he came to Purdue, the question was, will he take the Purdue job or will he wait for the Louisville job? So that was always kind of hanging over the specter. You're going to take that off the table now for a little bit. Um, and I don't really envy the guy if it's not Brown who ends up with the Louisville job. But um, you're going to take that off the table a little bit. I think things could quiet down in the future a little bit. But then the more success he has, it's going to ramp up again. So this is something that, to, to a certain extent, Purdue and its fans are maybe going to have to just kind of get used to. But I also think Purdue probably should and, and will try as much as it can to put something in place to help eliminate this distraction for the program going forward. 
that is if they consider distraction. They perhaps they buy into what Rom is saying about there being residual benefits to this and and having your name out there being something that actually helps you with recruits. But I, I do think it all it is a distraction for your program, your fan base, the, the players who are currently here, wondering what their future is in the short term. I think they probably want to find a way to to avoid that as much as they can on an annual basis. Right. So uh, we'll start talking about the game. There was uh, a game. There was a game, and Purdue is bowl eligible for the second straight year. They're 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Beat IE 28-21. Uh, they keep the bucket for the second straight year. Hasn't ha- that had hasn't happened in, since 2011-2012. So you know they they've kind of established themselves as at least for this brief period the uh, the team in this rivalry. Although IU had a four-year run uh, under uh, you know Daryl Hazel, his tenure here. So you know Purdue still got some work to do to to take full control of the rivalry. But, you know, it was a game where, once again, Rondell Moore stood out. David Blau had another solid game. Um, I really thought the defense played at least played well against the run after they lost Lorenzo Neal. And, and Anthony Watts and Tiwan Jones and even some snaps from Ray Ellis. You know, Stevie Smith, or not Stevie Smith, Stevie Scott got, I think, 20 carries for 104 yards, but a lot of that came like in the third quarter, second and third quarter. But I, I thought they did a, a a good enough job against the run where you did miss a Lorenzo Neal, but it wasn't it wasn't a huge, huge miss. Well, yeah, and I was actually a little bit surprised that Indiana didn't run the ball more than it did considering what Purdue was missing up front. I thought that was a little bit of a mistake on their part. I thought they could have uh, controlled the game a little bit more that way. Uh, you know, Scott averaged... 5.2 yards a carry, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, he ran the ball 20 times. It sure didn't seem like that many times. It seemed like they were throwing the ball a lot. And I thought that played into Purdue's favor a little bit. But I, I do give Purdue credit. I mean, it wasn't just... I mean, they came into the game missing Jacob Thieneman, their best defensive back. They lost, I, I would say, their best defensive top lineman in Neal during the game. And then for a stretch, Marcus Bailey has cramps. He has to leave the game. So you're losing your best linebacker slash best overall defensive player. And to still hang in there, and, and for the most part, I mean, it's, again, this, this defense gives up yards. But again, it didn't really give up points. It gave up 21 points. But... For the most part, it, it, it did what it had to do to win a game. That, that's what this defense has done all year, and it was another solid, not spectacular, but solid. It's like taking your uh, your catcher and your shortstop and your center fielder a little bit off the field because Neal's in the middle, Marcus more in the middle, but uh, right. Jacob Thieneman's kind of your quarterback back there. Right. But you take those are your three best defensive players by far. And you, you, they were not on the field for a few plays uh, today, and really Bailey was the only one on there for an extended period of time. And Neil went out early. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was like very early. first quarter, maybe second series, right. something like that. Um, and and Jeff Brom said it didn't look good, which it's a lower body injury. You know, I'm not going to speculate what it. We use what the, it, we used the letters MRI. <laughs> right. For how they're going to have to determine right. the severity. So I should tell you something. And now you start thinking, can he? You know, he definitely is not going to play in the bowl game. Not going to be back for spring ball. You know, can he make it back 
for next for the for next season, which you're going to be less than a year removed. Now, Cindelar did that and was fine, but Richie Worship did it too and wasn't in, in hasn't played this year, hasn't practiced this year. So, Cindelar doesn't carry the weight that Richie Worship and Lorenzo Neal do. Right. I think that's part of it. But that's that's going to be an issue, and even though Purdue has a lot of guys coming back and they have some reinforcements coming in, Neal. Down the line, that's going to be it's going to be a big loss in the bowl game. Whoever, whoever they play, it's just right. going to be a big loss. But overall, the defense did well. Indiana sped up the tempo and was able to, uh, you know, get some plays down the field. Purdue had a couple, you know, bad pass interference penalties on the first drive that they could have got off the field, but but didn't. Um, but overall, you're right. They gave up 21. Uh, to, to a team that averages close to 30, it got the ball back enough for the for the offense to to uh, to succeed, and you know that's where you know Blau had a good game, and you know Rondo Moore did Rondo Moore things. Um, you know he's got over 100 catches, which I yeah, I can't say I I saw that coming from him. I mean I I, I figured he'd have a nice year, but not 100 catches. But when you get targeted so much, you're gonna <laughs> You're going to catch the ball, but he had a, he had a couple of nice touchdown passes, and you know once again showed off his strength along with his speed by uh, you know breaking away from guys and being able to separate and you know bounce off defenders. And uh, I mean he's just he's he just had a fabulous year, and you start to picture that if all this stays in place, you add some more talent around him at the receiver position, what he can do and what those other guys can do with him on the field. You know, for me, with him, it's I have been very impressed by the speed at many times this year. I've talked about it on these podcasts about how, how many times it seems like it's a four-yard loss and he turns it into nothing or maybe even gets a game. But lately, it's been the strength. It was um, against Wisconsin and it again today. You know, he'll make a play on the ball, make the catch deep downfield or he's, he's breaking away and then somebody tries to tackle him and it's just a fool's errand. I mean, they can't, you can't take him down high. It's hard to get low on him because he's low. Um, you can't, it's, it's just such a tough guy to tackle. And that's something you, you know, you'll see receivers who are fast and who can make catches. They can jump, whatever. I think that's the ad, added dimension that he has that a lot of other guys who are at, as fast and as you know, reliable as a receiver don't necessarily have. They can't just when a, when a safety tries to take him down, they're not just going to bounce off. Um, and I agree with you. I think another year in college, you know, in the strength program, enhancing the talents he already has. I mean, you do start to, regardless of what they put around him, you start to just see what he can do individually in the future. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, with the. Um you know, with the uh, the quarterback they're going to have next year, which right now would be Sindelar and, and some of the younger guys that are coming in with Plummer, and, uh, you you know you really expect this offense to take another step next year, even though they're going to have some questions on the offensive line. Uh, but what they've gotten out of this offense this year was was what they needed to get out of this offense this year, based on things they had to deal with on defense. But you know this was a game also in the second half where. I thought Purdue kind of took over running the ball a lot better than they have in recent games. And you know, whatever it is, motivation. Markel Jones loves to to give uh, Indiana a gut punch for not recruiting him or uh, <laughs> several years ago. And you know, 217 yards last year in the bucket game and no touchdowns. But 
95 yards tonight and one touchdown that kind of sealed the whole deal and it was, it was an impressive run because he got in the open field and then I think a couple defenders tried to stop him from getting the goal line but he just he kind of drug him into the end zone but yeah uh, good for him to kind of finish off that and gave a lot of Purdue to run the clock and you know eat up some time there in the fourth quarter you know I, I like the way they ran the ball. I didn't like that they didn't do it more. I, I've been thinking they should try to do it more. They didn't do it. They didn't get it done in a time where they really needed to do it on a fourth and one play. And they were kind of fortunate to get a three and out there. And then the long touchdown bomb to Moore. That kind of flipped the game back in their direction. But even on that last, right before that Moore touchdown, I had uh, to pat myself on the back. I had kind of called it on social media. I had said... You know, Purdue came out of that. Indiana had just scored to make it a, a one-touchdown game again. This is about, I think, seven minutes, 7.33 left. So you think maybe Purdue will try to put the ball on the ground. You can work some clock while you're moving the ball. Instead, they three completions in a row. So they come out throwing the ball quickly. But we've seen times where Brom does that to kind of set up the run. That gets them across midfield, and then they went seven yards, seven-yard carry for Jones, six-yard carry for Jones, 32-yard touchdown run for Jones. All right. And that, so that sort of played out. I would still see. I would. I'd like to see, excuse me, see a little bit more balance from Purdue in terms of the offense. I know they have a lot of talent running the ball or receiving talent. I know David Blau is a good quarterback, but I just feel like there there were times where Indiana could tee off on Blau a little bit um, because I don't think they respected the run. I, I, and, and if you start mixing that in earlier in the game, you see what it does in terms of opening things up with um, with, with play action and things like that. There was even an instance in that game where they had just had some good runs, and then they went to a play action and got a, a, a completion out of it. Um, I, I, I'm probably not the one who should be critiquing Jeff Brom's ability to call a football game. But that's the one thing I would say, and I think he's even said in the past, he sometimes gets overlying on the pass. It's one thing where I could see him backing off a little bit more and running the ball a little bit more. Hello, Amanda. Oh, nice. Great. Okay. Can I get you anything? No, I'm good. I'm doing well right now. <laughs> Uh, along, I mean, Rondell went over, he's got 100 and, 103 receptions, which is the second most in the Big Ten ever. And he trails uh, Purdue's uh, Chris Daniels, who had 121. So I guess he would have he's to probably get... Probably out of reach, but... <laughs> he'd have to get 18 to tie it. But you got two Purdue guys now that lead, that have the all-time single season. They're 1-2 in all-time single, single season receptions. And... In Big Ten history, which uh, not surprising, but you know, for all the quarterback success Purdue's had, they haven't had the great receivers come through this program. You know, maybe now, as long as you know Jeff's here, they'll be able to attract a few more and uh, get those numbers up. But I thought I thought Zico had a nice game. Uh, got the got the first touchdown catch, but. You know, him and Terry Wright seem to, you know, really blossomed into good, stable, solid, dependable receivers. Uh, you know, Terry Wright's always going to have that one play where you scratch your head, but but I think those two in, in tandem have really they become the receivers they wanted them to become last year, but for various reasons they just couldn't do it, and that's it's time they just needed time to be in the system and be in the program and, you know, figure out their role 
and you know maybe not being the guys that are targeted all the time has helped them where the presence of Rondo Moore has allowed those guys to, to to thrive a little bit more, especially in the second half of the season. Well, it's one guy or the other. It seems like they kind of trade off which week is going to be the big week for one, one guy or the other, and it makes sense because every team is probably at some point in the game going to have to help on to Rondo Moore with safety coverage or something, and that's going to open up something for one of those guys on a boundary or, or deeper down the field, something. So... It's just a matter of which whichever team decides to give a little bit one way or the other, that's what Purdue's going to try to take advantage of. It's the way that, you know, as much as we talk about Rondo Moore's catches, his yards, everything else he's done this year, it's also just the presence he has and the way that he affects a game by just being on the field and running a route. Whether the ball's thrown anywhere near him, it changes the game. Yeah, it does. Um, so Purdue's bowl eligible, second straight year. Last year they went to California, went to San Francisco, and played Arizona in the what was the uh, Foster Farms Bowl, I forgot. Now it's the Red Box Bowl. But based on the Big Ten rules, Purdue can't go back there. Minnesota beating Wisconsin. I, I don't know if it complicates things, but I think Ohio State beating Michigan potentially changes the, the whole dynamic of where Purdue might go. Because now the questions are whether uh, the Big Ten will get somebody in the college football playoff, how many they're going to get in the New Year's Six, and then who wins the Big Ten championship game and how that impacts the other thing. So the bottom line is, you know, there's another week here before things really get settled with Purdue's bowl destination. I, you know, it's, it could be anywhere from. You know, Jacksonville, Florida to the Gator Bowl. You know, maybe San Diego. New York seems like um, would be a, a logical destination for them at Yankee Stadium. But also Detroit would still be in play there. And, you know, I think the one thing that moves Purdue up the ladder is its offense. You know, the season it's had at beat Ohio State and the combination of Jeff Brom and Rondell Moore and what you know, bowl people look for excitement. They look for a lot of offense, and I think Purdue can bring that, and that may that may push them up the the ladder a few more spots as opposed to some other teams in, in, in the Big Ten. Even though a, a team like Minnesota beat Purdue handily, I fully expect Purdue to be higher up on the bowl bowl pecking order than than uh, than Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, there's other storylines, too. Everything that's happened with Tyler Trent this year. Right. Those things are the kind of things that can sometimes factor into the postseason. It's it's not a completely objective um, process. It's, there's a lot of subjectivity to it. Um, who, you know, which fan bases travel well, sometimes those things play in. Maybe not so much. We're kind of down to a level where it's equalized a little bit, really, between Purdue and, and the other schools that they're going to be on the same kind of level as. But... I mean, the big thing for Purdue is getting the bowls two years in a row, getting back to bowl after no one can start, considering the teams that they were going to have to play after that. Um, those those things are kind of victories in their own, so really, I, I don't think this, for the program, the big thing is just still being in a bowl. I think it'd be, it'd be good for them to be in a higher profile bowl than Detroit, but even just going there and if they could get a win, and you have two winning seasons in a row, two bowl wins in a row, to extending your season another month or how long it is getting all those extra practices too which is one of those things that people forget about but that has as much value sometimes as as any part of the 
process just to get that extra time with your team that other teams don't get? Well, and I've got a lot of freshmen that didn't play this year because they only played three guys pre-freshmen uh, that can't redshirt. So a lot of other uh, a lot of other freshmen retain their year of eligibility, and now you can see if a couple of these guys have made enough progress where they might be able to help you in a bowl game, especially when you've, you lost a, you're going to lose a guy like Lorenzo Neal and you're still thin at linebacker. And you, you should be able, according to Jake Dieneman, get Jake Dieneman back. So that'll be a positive for them. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of things to look forward to with the bowl game, and we'll, we'll probably explore that a little bit more next week on the podcast. And, Set up in the week after when we know right. a little bit more. And set up uh, what basketball's got coming up uh, next week with the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge and the start of the Big Ten season. All right, well, that's going to – we're going to close her down and finish our dinner. And, yeah, I hope uh, my, just, my chewing was not too distracting for those of you out there listening. And we appreciate everyone uh, uh, tuning in on the, uh, the post-game editions, whether it's 5 in the morning or – nine o'clock at night or whatever time uh, uh, we did them they were kind of uh, we just decided to do it <laughs> there was no plan to this yeah, well, trust once, me once we did that first one we were stuck <laughs> yeah we were stuck for 12 games but anyway uh we'll be back next week with the extended diversion extended version of the borders extra protest uh coming up we usually uh try to get those on tuesday and if there's anything happened with the jeff brown situation uh you obviously go to jconline.com uh, and you know, we might we might we might put together a quick uh, quick podcast if uh, if there's some resolution coming up here in the, the next few days. So, thanks for joining us, and we'll we'll talk to you later.